Pirates to be the Cincinnati Reds. Do you think that would work? Do you think that would fly with the fan base in Pittsburgh? Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Ben Charrington last night traded Joe Musgrove in what wound up being a three-team trade between the Padres, the Mets, and the Pirates. The Pirates end up with four prospects from the Padres, three of whom were in their top 20, and they've got a really good system, San Diego does. And from the Mets, they ended up getting a catching prospect who's 14th in the Mets system. That is an extraordinary haul for Joe Musgrove. I'm trying to find a way to say this and to be nice. This was Joe Musgrove. This was a pitcher who was not even the Pirates' third or fourth best in a season that saw arguably the worst pitching in more than a century for this franchise. This is Joe Musgrove, who in 2019 and 2018 and every other team that he was with the Pirates was maddeningly inconsistent. He'd start slow, he'd get hurt, he'd come back, he'd look like a house on fire, he'd finish strong, and everyone would go, Big Joe's going to be back! Just wait till you see how Big Joe comes back. Then he comes back and it's more of the same. I'm not saying this to kick a guy on the way out. I've said this about Musgrove all throughout. He's someone who would drive you nuts because you saw the stuff. Not just the high velocity, but the off-speed movement. You also saw the, the character, the moxie, and everything else. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. He couldn't get results other than once in a great while. And when he did, it would be like, wow, look at Joe. He's got it all. Well, the Astros probably thought that too. And somehow, this player was parlayed into five prospects. I mentioned the pedigree of four of them. The fifth is a sixth-round pick from 2019. So again, someone else who's at least up there, you know, that has some potential. The name out of the trade, if you can say that there's a name in a prospect for veteran trade other than the veteran, is a kid named Hudson Head, a center fielder out of the San Diego system. He was seen as their number eight prospect, but with a bullet, meaning he was rising up their rankings in the system. There was a lot to like about him. The Padres' system, as I mentioned, is deep. They have seven players in MLB Pipeline's top 100. Head was the eighth, so he didn't make it. But again, he was on an upward trajectory. Charrington got himself a center fielder. He got more pitching. He got himself a catching prospect. They really, the Pirates, need catching depth all through the system. They added all this. 
for Joe Musgrove. And you will still hear and read and see people just talking about payroll, payroll, payroll. When are they going to show us that they're serious? This is what they're doing. This is showing us that they're serious. This is an actual commitment to winning the one and only way that you can win in a cap-free system. How much more of the Tampa Bay Rays do people need to see on a year-to-year basis to understand that this is the only path? Unless, of course, there's a cap. Everyone likes to keep living in this dream world, it seems. Not everyone, most everyone, judging from the feedback that I get. This dream world that things are going to go back to the way they were in like 1978 or something and players are supposed to stay with your team forever and ever. There's either a deliberate misunderstanding or just ignorance of how baseball has changed. Maybe it's because people see the other two teams in town, the Steelers and Penguins, both playing in cap leagues, who keep all the players that they want. The Steelers have had Ben Roethlisberger for 17 years. They have the best defensive player in football in T.J. Watt. They're going to sign him for life. The Penguins have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, guys they've kept forever and ever. And that's just seen as, well, that's how it is, because Willie Stargell spent his whole career here. Roberto Clemente did. It's just not reality. Teams that try to behave like that in modern baseball, who don't have the revenues, fall flat on their face. That's just how this works. That's the Reds. That's the Reds. Once every four or five years, the Cincinnati Reds will go on a spending spree. And they'll go and they'll buy up a bunch of free agents. They just did this last year. Mike Moustakis, a handful of other guys. They had some pretty penny put into some of these players. And they went out there. They were still the Reds. They won a little bit more. And then they got smoked out of the playoffs. They were nothing special. There are no quick fixes for low-revenue teams. There just aren't. Baseball doesn't function like that. The Reds have done some good things internally, but their focus at that point in time, last offseason, if they're telling the truth, is that they wanted to win the offseason. They wanted to get their fans to say, hey, good job, look at the Reds, they care again. Look at their payroll. They're serious about winning. And everybody all over baseball saying, look at the Reds, they're a player again. And this was heard here, too. People who follow baseball 
even some people who follow it closely were saying, look at the Reds. Some were picking them to win the division. Why can't the Pirates do that? Why don't the Pirates do something like that? Why can't the Pirates be like the Reds? Compare the market sizes. Cincinnati's smaller than Pittsburgh. The answer is, it's dumb. The Reds' way doesn't work. It hasn't worked in forever. They like to keep their people and to keep them around forever and ever and ever. That's why Joey Votto's still there. Joey Votto is currently being significantly overpaid. I I hesitate if you sense that to say something negative about Votto. I have a ton of respect for him. Uh, As a player, uh, as a personality in the game, and for what he's meant to the Reds. But in the modern economic system, keeping Votto makes no sense. The only reason they keep him is because the Reds still think that somehow they can resurrect the big red machine from the 1970s. And they're going to find a way to pay you know, Johnny Bench and George Foster and Joe Morgan and everybody and keep them all around. And they're going to bludgeon everybody with their big lineup. They can't do that anymore. They can't. Not until there's a cap. Actually, that team would never have been kept together under a cap, so maybe not my best example. All that stuff does is win you talk shows. All that stuff does is get radio hosts who pay no attention to baseball for the most part to chime in and say, the Reds are serious, and the Pirates, of course, are not. Why not look at what's actually happening? Why not look at the Tampa Bay Rays? The Rays place zero priority on keeping a guy. Have you noticed that? And yet most of the remarks yesterday was, what's the difference? If they get good, they'll these guys, and then they won't be able to keep them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You spend... You turn the cycle. You spin the cycle. People talk about that cycle now as if it's a bad thing. It's not. This is what the Rays do. They just had Blake Snell pitching for them, not nearly long enough, in the World Series. What did they do? They traded Snell to the Padres for a bunch of prospects. Why? So that they can keep it turning. They sent out one player. They got several back prospects that presumably they'll have done excellent homework on, know how to develop them, and then they end up with more good players than the number that they just sent to San Diego. That's how it works. They don't care what anybody thinks of it. Lucky for them, they've got no fans anyway down in St. Petersburg. So they can operate a little bit differently than most teams. But it works. It doesn't work in isolation. As I mentioned, you still need to have a great eye for acquisition, a great ability to teach, a great sense of strategy, unlike what Kevin Cash showed in the World Series there at the end. The Rays do things differently, as everybody likes to say. But it works. They're in a division against teams with quadruple their payroll, Yankees, Red Sox, 
at times, the Blue Jays. Even the Orioles spend more than they do. But they're the ones who win. Why? Because they have found a way to work within the non-cap system. That's what the Pirates are doing here. They're loading up their minor league system at all levels. Entry levels, meaning at the very bottom. They've added players in single A, double A, triple A. In a couple of cases, those weren't very popular acquisitions, but you got to have some players in Indianapolis too. And in each case, they have prioritized ceiling. They're looking for players who can get better, who have a certain skill. Maybe it's a, you know, speed or strength or agility or defense or whatever. Something where they see that the player can continue to progress, to get better, not just to mature and understand the game, but to actually become a better baseball player as they go. Not all of them will make it. Some of them will be complete failures. That's the nature of baseball in the minor leagues. It's a real hard thing to predict. But by adding a bunch of them, by doing it in bulk, while also adding ceiling, that is exactly the right approach. That is exactly the Tampa Bay approach. It is exactly not what the Reds have done. And for that matter, it is exactly not what Ben Charrington's predecessors did in sending guys out for just a bunch of 4A returns. This is the right way to do this, not the Reds' way. Reds can go right on winning the talk shows. The Pirates seem to be headed in a significantly smarter direction. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question. If you'd like to submit a question for this show, you can do so by visiting DK Pittsburgh Sports. Find the article that accompanies this podcast and just place it in comments right underneath that. I have other ways I can get questions from you, but this is the one that I'm most likely to check on a regular basis. Keep them timely and all. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar and the sister eatery right next door, North Shore Tavern. They're on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park and the Willie Stargell statue. They're open for business, meaning you can go ahead inside and enjoy your favorites from the more than 500 beers that Mike has on tap. That includes beers from more than 50 local breweries. Or you can go next door to North Shore Tavern and get their classic dish, Steak on a Stone. If you can't make it down to Mike's, you can also order for delivery anywhere in Allegheny County as well as into the Cranberry area of Butler County. Visit mikesbeerbar.com slash beer hyphen menu or call 412-322-BEER to order and pay. Person must be 21, ID required and present to receive delivery. Mike's Beer Bar. And today's question comes from Tim who asks, Dan, what does this trade 
bring the Pirates team salary down to, I still hope it's higher than Cleveland's. Um, yeah. Okay. First thing, I don't know. I, I don't know where the Pirates payroll is. When the Pirates payroll was an issue, meaning when they were contending, when they were, you know, making it to the wild card round, when they won 98 games in 2015, when they were semi-competitive the following year, when it was an issue, I was all over this. It was a not a big deal. It was the big deal for me. I was counting every penny that was out there that could be had, any information available, right down to the 40th guy on the 40-man roster. It doesn't matter now. It doesn't matter in a rebuild. The payroll is a just a talk show lowest common denominator thing in a rebuild. It really is. It doesn't matter. I don't know how much clearer the Pirates themselves can make it to everyone that they are moving pieces and they are bringing prospects back. They're trying to build a system up that's got both quantity and quality. And if these kids can compete with each other on the way up the ladder, if they can push each other, if there are positional battles organization-wide, this is a team, meaning at the Pittsburgh level, that someday will have legitimate competition for positions. You can't even picture that right now, can you? They'll have multiple players vying to be the center fielder or the shortstop or whatever. Multiple pitchers, if you can picture that. Pitchers on top of pitchers. That's why you do the kind of deal that Charrington did. You want quantity and you want quality. You want them both. It's not easy to get in baseball, and it's definitely not easy to get if you just sit and wait for the draft each year. You have to make moves to get these prospects. The payroll right now, who cares? If it was 10 bucks, who cares? It just doesn't matter. Now, to the... I don't even want to call him a, a casual fan because if, if you don't know about the basic concepts of how teams build and rebuild systems in baseball, you're probably not even a casual fan. You might be somebody who, if your buddy says, hey, I got a spare ticket to the game tonight. Oh, who's playing? Uh, Pirates and somebody. I don't know. Oh, cool. I'll go. If you're talking about that person, then, you know, it, it just doesn't matter. At this stage of where the Pirates are with their development, which basically means starting over, it's going to take a special breed of fan to stick with it because you're going to watch a lot of losses in Pittsburgh. You're going to watch games and outcomes and endings and decisions, results and performances that you're going to find really frustrating. You'll also have some 
things that you'll enjoy watching, Cabrian Hayes, whatever individual uh, things. Whenever the Pirates do win, it might feel that much more satisfying. But this just isn't about Pittsburgh, other than a couple of players. It isn't. If you believe that Charrington and Travis Williams have been given the assurances that they can spend as they see fit by applying a a broader budget, meaning money that's saved now can be spent later, then it's completely nuts to wish that they'd be spending more right now. Because what would you be spending it on? Taking the team from what, 65 losses to 68? This isn't about winning the talk shows. I can't make that point more emphatically, more passionately than I have in this particular program today. This is about building up an actual roster full of talent. It won't be quick, and it won't be fun in the interim. Certainly won't be fun in 2021. But it's got to happen. There is no other path. There are no shortcuts to this. The idea that the owner, this owner, Bob Nutting, or any owner can just go and spend a gazillion dollars. Like what? Out of his pocket? Even if he had all the money that everybody's rumored to, uh, that, that likes to attach the idea that he's a billionaire, which actually, by the way, he isn't. Even if he were to become the first and only owner in all of professional sports to spend his own personal money on payroll, it wouldn't do anything other than, you know, win the talk shows. Hey, look at Bob. He's spending. Woo, it's about time. Who cares? Do this right. They're finally doing it right. They're finally doing it right, Tim. Thanks for the question. I'm not coming after you on this. I'm just this subject, you know. Sometimes feels like slamming my forehead against cement. Thanks to everybody for listening today. We'll have more uh, on this trade and everything else tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.